Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She grew up playing for Thundercats, Storm, and Leeside, and she's currently a Brock Badger, where she's a two-time OUA champion and defending that this season. Please welcome to the show, Mira Sayal. Mira, thanks for doing this. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So seconds before the show, I just realized your brother plays for uh, a rival of everyone because nobody likes playing those guys, the Western Mustangs. So usually <laughs> yeah. we start with a journey of how does everyone get into sport in general and volleyball, but I'm curious... Uh, two varsity athletes in the house. Were you guys playing sports as long as you guys can remember? Yeah, we've uh, we've actually always played sports growing up. So my brother Ahmed, he's uh, a year older than me. Uh, we've been very close um, throughout our entire upbringing, even until now. And uh, growing up, uh, my parents are very sporty. My mom loves tennis. My dad's probably played every sport you can think of. So very sporty, kind of growing up in our household. And with that, we played. Uh, I played soccer actually to start. Um, transitioned to hockey a little bit, little little bit of ringette if. Uh, you're familiar with that sport. Um, and then the only way we both got into volleyball was my grade, my elementary gym teacher. He actually started the Thundercats club while we were in elementary school. So he just happened to recruit kids from elementary school for the club. So we solely got a little taste for volleyball uh, that way. I officially kind of started playing grade eight, grade nine, moved over to Storm for a few years. And then funny, funny thing, I actually didn't make my grade 11, so 17U side team. That was a team I tried out for. I didn't make it. Um, and after that, I kind of decided, wow, well, maybe maybe that's it. Maybe I'm, I'm done playing volleyball. So I actually did not continue with it in grade 11. I thought that might be it. I'll be done. Uh, and then funny story, uh, John Childs, he coached the 18U side team that year. I think uh, their middle, Caprice Clark, got injured. They needed another middle, happened to reach out to me, and then played for that team for my 17 new year. Uh, I think that year we came third at nationals, which was really cool. Um, so for not wanting to play, I ended up third in nationals that year, which was fun. And then grade 12, I finished with Storm. And that was my high school club kind of experience. I started Thunder the Cats, went to Storm, went to Leaside, and went back. So yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's pull on that for a second because if you say uh, you you met uh, Coach Child at, at school ball, you must have been pretty late joining the squad. Like, was it the new year? Like, was it already the second half of eighteen U? No, I think it was it was middle of November, I believe. Okay. The big Vegas tournament that they do every year. I was not able to join because like, I wasn't able to travel with them because the paperwork didn't work out. But it was. Middle of November, I think I joined the team. So a couple of months of no training and not really being into it. And then I got back, which is really nice. Did you miss it at all? Like when he first like said, hey, it, it's possible if you want to join the squad. Were you kind of like, yeah, I'll think about it. Or were you like, yeah, I actually missed this. Like what was the first thought? I think I think it was a bit of both. I definitely love the sport. Like I love being active and I missed that part. Um, but I think I was kind of getting settled into, okay, maybe I'm like life without volleyball, life without competitive sport. but. I'm very grateful for that opportunity because like since playing volleyball in with his team, it reopened doors for when I fell back in love with it. And I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to play it since. So I'm very grateful that that had happened. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And did you know any athletes on that squad? Because it's got to be weird being the, the newbie. I, I know November's still early in the season, but they, they technically had like two months to kind of team build and get to know each other. And then you kind of... Uh, uh, jump into the squad like was that a challenge to kind of get caught up with like socially with the other athletes um a little bit uh emily tehan was on that team um and her and i went to high school together so i knew her and her family very well and through my connection with emily i happened to know donna and a couple of the other girls just very like sparsely um but then they're just a wonderful group of girls and i think that's a really good thing with the community and volleyball just 
the the way everyone was so tight knit and it was very easy maybe two or three practices until I felt fully comfortable and then it, it kind of started rolling from there they ended up becoming some of my really good friends that I I still like keep in touch with today so yeah it wasn't super hard and I find myself kind of outgoing so worked out well yeah awesome awesome and uh just for our listeners who are like oh like you played for four different clubs in four different seasons I think the, the area you grew up in, there's a club on every corner and almost feels like. So when you did decide to try out for a different club or switch or, or maybe drive a little bit further to this club, like what goes into those decisions? I think um, for me, when we moved first, first from Thundercats to Storm, Thundercats in the very, like I was there when the, the club started. So it was still in its developmental stages and Storm was a bit more of a developed club at that time compared to Thundercats. So I think just being ready maybe for the next step, the different type of coaching, trying out new dynamics and challenging myself that way, perhaps. So I, I live in between Richmond Hill and Aurora. So the driving distance was the same that way. And then Lisa, I think just the opportunity to play on that really good team ha- like showed up. Uh, and then just to return back in grade 12, I still wanted to prioritize school. So to limit driving, but to also be able to play a sport I loved, I think playing back at Storm for my last year was a good, a good compromise and a bunch of my really good friends. And I had Jerry uh, Dijeronimo as my coach. Absolutely loved him. Um, got to know him really well. So um, it was a great way to end my grade 12 year back this year. So with all this happening, and you came to terms with it and obviously wanted to take your academics really seriously, when did post-secondary become a thought? Like, was it with Side Because you would have had teammates who played post-secondary or you're following a sibling who, who went through the recruiting process and played. Like, for you, was that going to be something really important or was it always going to be the academics you were looking at first? Yeah, so actually for both of us, neither my brother nor I signed on any like any team. I uh, He walked on at Western, and I also walked on at Brock. Um, I wanted to get into a specific academic program at Brock, and I don't hear back. It's called MedPlus. You don't hear back until late uh, end of June or July. So by that time, um, you're, you would typically have already signed to a sports team. I also wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue it, if I could balance it. Um, I knew my academics were a big priority in university, and I understand the commitment it takes to be on a team, especially a varsity team of such high caliber. So um, I, I was not expecting to play. I didn't. I reached out to Steve once or twice, um, Steve being the Brock coach. Uh, I joined a couple of open gyms and really liked the girls, but again, wasn't sure this was something I wanted to do. And then um, September rolled around. I signed up for tryouts. I joined tryouts. And I happened to be given a redshirt position. And I think that was perfect. I didn't know exactly how much I was able to commit. I was still trying to navigate the transition from high school to university. And accepting the redshirt role was perfect. And definitely the best decision I made for university. It has been the highlight of my university experience thus far, being able to play on the team. And Steve's a friend of the show, so hopefully he doesn't mind me asking some behind-the-scenes stuff. So when you are emailing him, like he, he's, he's terrific. And obviously a very honest guy. Like when you say like, you're going to come try out, is he just saying like, yeah, here are the tryout dates or was there any like general idea of how many spots they're looking for? Any openings on the depth chart? Like what was kind of the messaging going in? Um, I don't actually know if I, if I put that much thought behind the email, I think in, in the summer I had Jerry. So my club coach from storm, he connected me to Steve. I think they knew each other through team Ontario or whatnot. Um, and he kind of said, hey, Mira is coming to Brock like, for this academic program. She might be interested in playing. Could she come to some open gyms? So that's how I got connected for open gyms. For tryouts, I think there was just an email or maybe an Instagram post that said, hey, our tryouts are this day. And, and it was just an online sign up. I didn't really ask about depth. I, 
I don't think I even understood what those concepts meant. I wasn't very well versed in the um, volleyball lingo, but um, yeah, I kind of just tried out and it worked out. This is awesome. So what were your first impressions of a walk-on tryout? Because for reference for the listeners, like uh, I, I'm helping out at York this year, we have 21 athletes on the team and one is considered a walk-on. Like even though it might optically look like, oh, every OUA team is carrying between like 16 and 20 athletes. Most of them you're you're aware of and you have a general idea. So uh, I'm not saying coaches don't value walk-ons, but it's pretty rare that one gets in and then turns into a starter, I would say. So your story is definitely fascinating. But that, that first time in the gym, are you around other club players or some of them really good school players? Like what is the general level in the gym? This is like uh, in during tryouts, right? Yeah, your very first tryout at Brock. Uh, definitely really nervous. Um, I think it was helpful that I, I had a little social interaction with the girls and I understood the level of play coming to a few open gyms. Uh, so I wasn't like a deer in headlights, but definitely more nervous than I think I anticipated. I, I don't didn't think I realized how many people were trying out for the team. Um, and then slowly, actually, as the tryout went, I think it was a two-hour time period, they would have, like, like breaks where they would ask certain people, to, okay, thank you for coming out, like, unfortunately, and then they would let people kind of go out the door. So slowly, it was like, oh, my God, every time there was a break, I'm like, me, my next, and it wasn't. But uh, I think just at the end of it, we were having a lot of fun, and the girls also made a, made a really good environment. Um, as we do every year, we have a lot of, like, ourselves as, as athletes show up and play during tryouts, and I think it really helps relieve the pressure and the stress on those trying out, which is definitely what I felt as the, sorry, as the track progressed. Yeah, that that's cool. Cause I know some schools don't do this because the fear of, of injuring uh, one of the athletes who you feel is already a roster player. But uh, if you had to ballpark it, how many total people were there at the tryout? And then how many like varsity athletes were mixing in? I don't remember. I, I definitely remember most at the very end, there were three or four of us as as athletes who were trying out for the team. And almost all the girls, we were just kind of thrown into a gameplay situation, I guess, to see how we would kind of react to the level of play. I want to say, this could be a totally, totally wrong number. I want to say maybe 14, 15 girls were trying out for the team. And actually, in my year, um, two of us continued as walk-ons. So two of us were taken on the team as walk-ons. Myself and her name is Natalie Little. She is no longer on the team. Her last year was uh, two years ago, but her and I were the walk-ons that were taken from that trial, which is actually really cool to have another walk-on actually throughout the whole process was really nice. And uh, again, hopefully Steve doesn't mind me asking, uh, did he make you sleep on it? Like, did you leave the gym knowing you made the team or does he make you be like, uh, check your email tomorrow and wait a couple of days? Like how long were you like waiting to figure out if you made it or not? Um, so at the end of the tryout, he actually let everyone go except the two of us. So I feel like we had some sort of idea of, okay, there's a reason, or maybe he's cutting one of us and like <laughs> keeping the other. But um, he told us then the coaches left and had a little discussion, came back, and they right there at the end of tryouts explained, oh, we have two redshirt you know, spots available. We would love to give them to you. And then he gave us time to sleep on it and make our decision. I think it was a 48-hour kind of email him back with our decision. Um, but Again, I didn't really know what redshirt was. Like, I, I had no idea what, what it meant to be a redshirt. So I had to, like, talk to my parents. I had talked to my old, like, Coach Jerry, talked to my brother. Um, but, yeah, he told us right then and there. And uh, with the way Brock practices, did it fit in with your academic schedule? Like, was there any conflicts? Because if you're carrying a pretty heavy course load, obviously you can't attend every practice, right? Right. So uh, luckily it was right in the beginning of school year, so I was able to make some adjustments. Um, throughout my entire undergrad and even now, I take a full course load, so it was definitely difficult. 
I couldn't make every single practice, um, but there was the opportunity to switch my schedule, my initial schedule to like adjust for practice and lift times because at Brock, we practice every day and we lift three times a week. Um, if you can make practices, like the, the idea is to prioritize practices because you can't make up practices, but lifts you can make up in open hours. So it was a bit difficult to try and make everything, which wasn't feasible. I think I missed an hour of one practice and another entire practice. Um, but this is something that I wasn't able to control. The, there were courses mandatory for my program, as many athletes have, that only run at one time. And if that conflicts with practice, like we are student athletes, so our coach understands, okay, you can miss this one practice a week because of a class conflict. Um, but my class schedule was, my schedule itself was very busy, but I was able to make most. I want to say like three of the five practices I was able to make entirely, which was nice. And at what point did you learn what a red shirt was? Like, was it crushing knowing that you were never going to get your number called that season? Or was it kind of the free and being like, all I have to do is show up and work hard and get better? Yeah, so when I when Steve told us, I ended up calling my brother actually, I think on my way to back to res, saying, oh my God, like red shirt, what's a red shirt? He explained sort of um, more of like a practice player having that role. And and I don't know, I, I think that understanding and team dynamics, like my initial reaction was, so I'm on the team. Like my reaction was from thinking I'm done volleyball in grade 11 to, okay, maybe I'm going to continue to walking on a varsity team. I think I was just really grateful for the opportunity and, and was really like looking forward to, to take in everything that that had to offer, whether that was learning in practice or observing in games. I think sure, part of me might've wanted to be that person to to play on the court all the time or just to, to see the court a little bit. But I think just being able to have that opportunity was, was a really big thing for me. And, and I took that like bit by bit and broke it down and really absorbed it. So I wasn't really defeated because I understood there's a process that I didn't go through and I was still lucky I got this opportunity. So when you look back, obviously you're, you're a big contributor uh, to the team uh, now, excuse me. Um, what advice would you give to a red shirt about like, you still got to show up and work hard. You still got to show up on games and support. And obviously like some schools have a, a limited budget and not everyone gets to travel, but like, how would you recommend to a younger athlete being like a redshirt's not a bad thing. You're still on the team and, and you can still contribute and feel like you're a part of it, even though you, you might not be getting the game winning kill. Yeah. I think that that's definitely something I, I struggled with uh, as that season progressed, because uh, you know, you still show up to practice, you still show up to lift, you show up to the games early in film as every athlete does. And when it comes to the game time, you know, you're, you're not even on the bench, you're sitting on the side because you can't dress. Um, and that was challenging. And um, I think a big thing that I, I thought is you still get the opportunity to play against, like for me, one of the best teams in the OUA every day at practice. It gives me the opportunity to be better. Like I was playing and blocking and learning how to be better playing against athletes like Darby Taylor and Laura Condotta and Emily Armstrong. And those names carry weight. And even though it might not be my time in first year, those experiences and learning everything I got the chance to learn in first year helped me become the athlete I am now. So it's really, it's really hard though, when you're in the moment to kind of take all that in and appreciate that you are learning a lot and you do play a role. And Steve does a really good job of making sure that as a redshirt, I felt like I was making a commitment and doing something for the team. Because for example, if, if not all the middles could show up to every practice, but if I couldn't show up, and the other red shirt, Natalie, couldn't show up, then there's no way the, the team could play six on six in practice. So, right, so there is a, a role that we play in. And maybe during game day, I'm not playing, I'm not dressing, but I help bring water bottles and I help with 
jerseys and there are small roles that as a red shirt, they might not feel the same and carry the same weight as scoring that point. But all these behind the scene things make make a difference. And it is difficult in the moment when you're in it to appreciate that you do make a difference. But every person on that team, whether you dress, whether you play, whether you're just a practice player, makes a difference. And I think that's the bottom line. It's like a team is only as strong as its weakest link. And you just have to work hard and uplift like, your team as you go. One thing I got a kick out of when we had Steve on the show, uh, it's been three or four times, but at least one of the times we talked about how he likes to run practice and make things really tough and encourage, you know, chirping or getting on each other. Like, did you ever feel like you could talk through the net to a Laura Condotta or a Darby? Like, were you comfortable right away? Or were you kind of like, just, I got to stay in my lane. I know my role. Or were you like when Steve gave you the green light and you're playing against maybe the ones in practice, were you fired up and trying to win every drill? I think, yeah, well, there's a level of, of grit, but there also that also came with a level of respect. Like we wanted to win, but you also need to learn that there's like a line to draw, not just with like upper years, but just like with respect towards your own team. Like we want to be competitive and we want to push each other, but not at the expense of, of being disrespectful, if, if that kind of makes sense. But yeah, the grit was there. And Steve does a really good job of always creating competitive environment. We always start practice with something competitive. We always end practice with something competitive. And it's a competitive drive that we're able to turn on in practice while we're in the gym, but also turn off when we're social and, and closely together. That really not only helps us build team culture, but also communication and commodity and, and the small things that help us win games in, in the tight points. Now, remind me, um, you did tell me and I've already forgotten. You enter as a middle, switch to outside, and now you're playing middle again? Correct. Um, yes. So what was that conversation like when you come back and now Steve's like, Hey, like there's an opportunity for you to play outside and it's really going to help us. Like, were you excited to learn a new position or kind of like, I, I don't know if I can do this at an OUA level. Yeah. I, um, I really like challenge. I like new things. I like trying to work to be better. Um, and I think when he first initially presented the idea to me, it was in his office kind of in the end of my first year where he said, you know, you just, you just aren't tall enough and you don't jump high enough. And I, I was like, you're right. I was like, it is tough to hear that because I've spent how many years, five years developing my skill in that level or in that position, sorry, for him to sort of say, well, there's no more, there's no more opportunity in the middle here. And I think that that's kind of part of what I love about this kind of level of sport is you have to learn to deal with news or advice that you may not want to hear. Um, but I, I was kind of like, this can be taken as a positive challenge. It might be an opportunity to get playing time. It's an opportunity to play defense. I actually love playing defense. I still do. Uh, when I serve, I like, I love playing. I want to get the ball when I'm in five. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was like, if this is what's best for the team, if this is what Steve uh, and the coaching staff thinks will uh, be my role to help better the team, I'm, I'm happy to take it. I'm happy to try it and to challenge myself through that. So I was very excited about the opportunity to play left side, to learn how to pass, to play defense in six. Um, yeah, kind of an exciting transition. And was um, there any talk or plan with the coaches? Like when you go from a red shirt, uh, are you able to circle certain games on the calendar that are maybe an opportunity uh, to get a, a chance to show them what you can do? Do you, do you learn that week in practice? Like um, looking at, I think in your second year, you got in against Guelph, you played the Lakehead weekend and you played against Waterloo. So you're starting to add up some games. You're adding up some, some uh, attack attempts. Like, do you know that going in or that was kind of a reward for like the, the weeks you put in before those games? Right. So second, my second year of eligibility technically was my third year of school because our COVID year was in between. Right. So um, 
it was actually, this is also um, something I, I struggled with as well. I was in my third year and the games that I got in were the only games I dressed. I was actually fighting to dress in my third year, which isn't very common. Um, I guess maybe because I was a walk-on, I'm still, you know, second year in a position at the university level. Um, but this was something I also kind of had to had to work through is, is understanding that there were athletes who maybe were younger than me, who were far better than me, who had more experience and depth in the position. And because of the opportunities they've had, they were playing over me, which I fully understood. But it was just difficult trying to, you know, manage the the mental side of showing up every day and still putting my best effort in and showing up to lift and and being there, but also understanding I'm not getting that full time and I'm in my third year. Um, but yeah, so the way that that worked is he would send the dress list for that weekend, the day before. So you would be busting your butt all week, trying to dig every ball, block every ball, like just do your best and put your best effort forward. And sometimes that wasn't enough. And I learned through that experience that the best you can do is the best you can do. And sometimes it's not enough, but as long as you leave it all out there, you can't really ask for more. So for those games, I knew I would dress the day before. And when I would go in, it was sort of like, this is my chance. I get to prove myself. And I really took each of those opportunities for way more than I think maybe those athletes who come into the program and start, because I fought for so long to be in third year to get that one opportunity to go into serve or those like two opportunities at the end of a set to, to pass a ball against a team that um, perhaps was challenging and, and was a good, like a good challenge for all. So I like value, I have a lot of value for those small opportunities because of how hard it's been fought for. And what would you say your process is in that situation? Because I think um, everyone wants the athlete to advocate for themselves, but they don't ever want them to complain and say like, why aren't I playing? So would you have conversations with Steve or the other coaches about like, what do I need to get better at so I can play versus saying like, why aren't I playing? Like how, how would you approach that balance of, like I said, advocating for yourself, but not being like the, the squeaky wheel? Yeah. Uh, again, that's like a tight line to navigate. Um, and, and I did find myself having conversations with Steve that way because I did want to play and I did want to be there. But at the end of the day, I had to have respect for the coaches and for the decision that was made because they always have the team's best interests in mind. And at Brock, we have a very big we before me culture where we think about the whole before our individual kind of like um, benefits. So I, I'd approach Steve and, and ask to have a meeting with him. And I, pretty much, as you said, you would, you wouldn't, I wouldn't ask, why am I not playing? Why is she dressing over me? It would more be, what do you think I can work on in practice? Like two skills that I can work on in practice to increase my opportunity or to increase my chance. Sometimes it's also asking, can I just get an understanding of your thought process? Because perspective is a big thing. As coaches, they look at things that I would never think to look at. Perhaps it's like lineups with blocking. It could be simple serving subs. It could be small things that as an athlete, we may not look at. So understanding perspective, but also asking how I can improve um, instead of saying like, I want, I want that. Why am I not having it? Look at the positive of what can I do to get there? And then just respecting the decision that's made and trying to understand and compartmentalize and, and be okay with that. Yeah, nice. Well, well said. And then looking closely at last season, um, just looking at the stats, um, I think it's fair to say, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean, mean this disrespectfully. You played a lot. Uh, but it looks like you kind of drove the serving sub position just based on the amount of digs you got, the number of aces you got. So uh, again, for our young listeners, how do you 
command that position where again you know you're not going to play all six rotations but like you're going to come in at a key point of the match you're going to have to put them in trouble and it's almost commission based the better you play on defense the more you're going to play right so how did you own that position and get the most out of it again instead of just pouting being like i should be playing every rotation like this is a joke like uh, how do you how do you perform so well as the serving sub thank you um i think the first thing is is looking at the depth of what we have on our left side we had Madison Chimienti, we had Emily Follis and Lauren Ainsworth, who are all younger than me, but without, with, with no doubt, are better than me. So understanding that that is the ranking and that is why they play over me and being content with that, knowing I still do my best and I'm happy to push everyone I can in practice. But at the end of the day, I'm just not good enough to be one of the top starters, I think was something I, I very I needed to be content with, which I was. Um, it wasn't necessarily the position I wanted to be in, but I understood why things were the way they were. And I was very grateful to have the opportunity to go in and to be that serving sub. And I think I, because of how hard I've worked to get these opportunities, I took it in and I really tried my best to make the difference I could with every opportunity I had. So whether that was putting my serve hard to target, whether that was, you know, making those digs, like I love playing defense and I got the chance to go in and play a little bit of defense. Um, And just understanding that we have such a good team culture that it is, there is pressure when you go into serve, especially at these like, Sometimes it would be the end of the set or it would be for the match. And it's, it is nerve wracking, but our team is so supportive and so uplifting and our coaching staff is just like that as well. So knowing that I do believe in myself and I want to make the most of the opportunity and every single person on our team feels the same way, I think just goes, goes like goes the distance. It goes way further than a lot of us might know, but being supported and feeling confident and wanting to, to get that ace um, was definitely my thought process today. And then was it something discussed in your um, postseason meeting that uh, if, if you work your tail off, there's going to be an opportunity to play middle next year? Or like when, when did kind of the depth charts show that it's just like, hey, like if you really want to play next year, Mira, we're going to move you back to the middle and you'll have a chance. Yeah, so there was actually no, there was no conversation like that. It was kind of funny. So at the end of last year, we had uh, Christina Jovatic, who was one of our middles, and Grace Pyatt. They both graduated. Uh, we also had, beginning of last year, we had two other middles who, throughout the season, I guess, realized that volleyball at this level wasn't fit for them, so they ended up putting the team. So going from last year to this year, we had no returning middles. So what happened was we signed three, and uh, Steve had moved Gigi, one of our right sides from last year, to the middle who also was middle and club. And uh, one random practice in the summer, he's like, oh, let's throw Mira in the middle. And I was like, oh, cool. I love it. Like, I love being in the middle. Like, I used to love it. Like, sure. And I guess it kind of worked. And he was like, oh, there could be some opportunity, some possibility there. We didn't really visit it much in the summer. And then come September, he kind of started throwing me in the middle a little bit. And I started falling in love with it again. And, you know, adjust my swimming, adjust my approach, realizing that I don't have to pass, which I love. Because I, I would get a little anxious passing or a little nervous passing sometimes. Um, but it slowly just started to feel right. And then um, I think it, it, the chemistry between the setters and just like starting to fall in line in the beginning of September. And then I think second week of September, Steve uh, and a few of the coaches pulled me into the office and were like, I think we're going to keep you in the middle. And I was like, yes. So it, was, it wasn't like a discussion. I wasn't training in the summer over it. It was one random practice. He's like, go in the middle. And then little bit in September and then he's like well we might keep you here and has anything changed in your prep that you go from a red shirt to fighting for playing time to kind of owning the surf sub position to now 
being a starting middle, like, do you feel like it's been similar or is there a noticeable difference when you know, like you, you have to start and play well this weekend? I think uh, something I, I'm proud of is, is the intensity and the, and the drive I bring with myself to practice throughout the entire career I've had at Brock. I show up to practice and I always want to try and make a difference and always try and be better. I think now um, being in a new position, I'm emphasizing trying to learn or change or fix something tactical throughout the week. Um, there's a lot of reflection I do post game. Now that I'm, I'm getting more touches, I'm getting more time uh, on the court and, and especially in this new position, I I'm reflecting a lot, watching film on myself, on other middles, on Grace Pied, who was our middle last year. And, and really trying to see tactically what I can do to be better. Um, since I've, I've really only been playing middle at this level for two and a half, three months. So I know there's lots to improve. I think I come to practice with a mindset of today I'm going to focus on, you know, deceiving my shot to five or cross-body shot to one or something um, more on the tactical side to try and improve and improve my skill level. And how have you felt um, your kind of individual goals or, or your style has fit into the teams? Because uh, somebody might say like, oh, like uh, if I was in her situation, I'd just be happy to be there. Like you went from a red shirt to a starter. This is awesome. But you're on a team who's fighting for a national championship every year. Like you're defending champions. Like it's something you guys must talk about. So do you ever have to fight that balance of like, I'm just grateful to be on the team. This is great. I have a jersey to like, I need to contribute because we want to win again. I don't think I my drive is still there. Like I still want to win and I, and I want to be better. And, and in the beginning it was kind of like, wow, like I'm getting playing time. I think now that like initial shock, that initial awe has, has sort of dissipated. And I feel like I'm back on that. What do I need to do to get better? Every point counts. Every rep counts. I want to win. Set me the ball. Like, I don't think that um, the initial, wow, finally, like I'm, I'm on the court or like it's a new experience. I feel like that was very short lived. Um, we had a preseason tournament at McMaster um, where we played big teams like McMaster. We played Trinity Western. I think that might have been my, oh, like I'm playing. I'm like, I'm actually like, you know, in the starting lineup, I'm getting touches here versus um, when our season started in New York. I think that initial excitement dissipated and I'm sitting there going, I want the ball. Like we want to win. We have the ability to win and, and really just pushing and, and just having that drive that I think was there before in the past years. Like Grace Pied had the drive and, and every athlete has it. I think I'm now kind of living and, and pushing that through as well. Yeah, it's great to hear the behind the scenes in your prep and how you still prepare for everything. And it sounds like it's similar whether you're a red shirt or serving sub or a starter. But uh, I am curious, how are you starting to handle the volume and intensity uh, of being a starter? Just based on the OUA schedule right now, you guys are playing back-to-back weekends every weekend, uh, three in a row so far, and you got more coming. Has anything changed in how you're taking care of your body or how you're getting used to uh, I guess the jumps and in intensity of being a starter. Of course. Um, so I think it's a, like a big thing is when I wasn't a start a starter or, or seeing the court a lot. Uh, I wasn't really playing more than five days in a row because we normally practice Monday through Friday, if that. Like we did, if we had a, a game Saturday Sunday. Uh, but now we're, we're playing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Sunday, if we have games. So just the the number of days a week we're playing definitely increases and the shift from being a left side to a middle the big difference is the number of jumps so I feel that in um, my knees in the lower body which is definitely a a shift that I needed to make with my recovery Um, but a big thing that I was I was kind of surprised about uh, was the mental side of playing in big games and playing in 
you know, five set matches and, and important games and rallies. And I noticed it after our York tournament or our York weekend. And I noticed it after a Queens weekend. I think just the, the level of focus gets turned in, turned on a bit more. Uh, maybe because I'm in a new position, I'm trying to take in a lot more. And definitely as a middle, walking is so hard. I'm, I'm really trying to get the hang of it, but walking is hard. And I think there's so much focus and, and maybe pressure I put on myself to try and execute these skills really well because of the level we're playing at, because of, you know, the, the defending champs that we've been. So trying to perform at this really high level definitely has a mental a mental toll to it. But something I'm working to navigate through and something that we've also prioritized a lot this year, which uh, I've really appreciated and a lot of our players have as well, is we've uh, been connected with a sport, mental sport performance, um, like therapist, and we use her really often. Uh, and so it's really good to reflect for me personally, post-game reflection, if things aren't going well during the game, how can I get myself out of a rut? Positive self-talk. Um, so that definitely really helps. And possibly using her more will will help me feel less mentally exhausted at the end of weekends. But yeah. Nice. Nice. And with uh, the, the original change going from middle to outside being based on, you're giving up a lot of size in, in the middle. So knowing that now and you're back in the starting position, how are you kind of closing that gap? Are you watching a ton of video? Are you just working on, you know, running to gaps and being really quick? Like, how are you kind of made up for that uh, thing that I think all coaches need? Like, oh, we, we need length and size in the middle, and you're kind of making it up in other ways. Okay, well, I'm 5'10", so I'm still taller than average, <laughs> but definitely not tall enough for a volleyball middle, which uh, tends to be like 6'1", 6'2", or if, if not taller. Um, but I think, yeah, um, trying to be smart with where I'm putting balls and understanding that I can't like maybe in hitting warm up because there's no walk, I can hit the balls pretty well, you know, hard and down, but in a game, there's a really, really big well-formed block. So seeing that, and I think part of what, what I'm grateful for is being a left side. I learned how to tool. I learned how to push swipe. And those are skills that are transferable being an undersized middle with really big blocks. So I'm trying to, you know, tip to four or tip deep, or if I see three blocks, sometimes tool or push swipe or, or trying to implement more in my toolbox than just a, you know, a, a hit to five or a hit to one. And something I've been trying to work on this week and, and next week uh, will be like a deceptive. So facing five and hitting away to one or hitting one facing five. So trying to be smarter perhaps with that. Um, and also just understanding that I do believe myself, my teammates believe myself and try not to get down when I make mistakes because it's going to be inevitable, especially trying to come back from not being in the middle for a while. Know, playing in the middle at this level um, just trusting myself and and yeah, trying to stay positive because it gets hard sometimes but yeah and I think one of the biggest challenges of being a middle is blocks are amazing but they don't always reflect what's really happening like if you can get people to hit certain shots or you can trap them in certain situations so yeah. um, to, to use the York game as an example because I was there I mean it's a four set match and I'm looking at the stats sheet here you had four blocks so uh, obviously that feels pretty amazing but uh, have you have been able to come to terms with like, I'm doing my job if I'm not leaving a big seam or I'm doing my job if if I can fight to close this gap? Like, how do you like to think of the middle position? Because I know a lot of people get discouraged if they're not getting slams, but really like you, you got three in one match. I think that's a big game in the OUA right now. Yeah, thanks. I think uh, the, the main goal of the block is to take away space for defending. And I think maybe being in the position of playing in six back for a few years, I really value what it means to have a closed block and, you know, to have a well-formed block. And um, in the beginning of September, it was hard for me to not even read the ball, but to to get there to close the block. 
And I think the last few weeks I've been really focusing on trying to read it while well, close the block and, and understanding that closing my block to where my left side or right side have set up is my responsibility. Putting a good, well, well-formed block. Sometimes the ball will go into the block. Sometimes the ball goes out past the block. But as long as I have that form block, I'm taking away the space that I need to, I feel content um, in my responsibility. So it's definitely nice to get all those blocks and to, to have those stats, but sometimes the numbers are not necessarily reflective of the quality of the game that you're putting out, which I think is a very important thing to think about the process over the outcome all the time. And there was a moment in that York game that you probably don't remember. I remember because it was hilarious. So after the men, like they have their meeting, they come back out and obviously watch and support the women's game. And there's bleachers at the end of the gym. So our guys were there and I think they were trying to give you the gears a little bit, but uh, you ripped an ace and then you got our girls out of system and you got a dig. And then like, you must've gone on like a three or four run. But what I thought was hilarious was (laughs) our guys were talking, but as you come back to the service line, uh, I wonder if you remember this, you didn't shy away, but like you made eye contact and you just kind of like shrugged being like, Hey, like what's up? But you didn't like, you weren't looking for conflict or chirping back, but like (laughs) most people sheep away in those moments and don't talk to the crowd or engage with them. How are you able to engage a little bit, but then still make a good serve? I think, I don't know. I have an older brother. So he always like chirps and talks. And so I feel like it kind of reminded me of like our dynamic a little where I know it's kind of funny. It's supposed to tease me a bit, but I also feel if I fully ignore it in the back of my head, I know I'm not ignoring it. And it just like, there's a mental game and I don't want you guys to win the mental game because we like to trip too sometimes. So I just, I feel like looking and acknowledging helped me mentally be like, it's fine. Like kind of acknowledge it was there and then kind of move on past it. Versus if I don't acknowledge it, I know it's still there. And and maybe in the back of my head, it's still playing a little mental game, but I find that acknowledging it. Yes. Fine. It's them. And then moving on maybe helps like move past that. So looking at your playing style, how are you able to walk the line? Because I think a lot of coaches want somebody who's like cool and collective where in my brief history of watching you play live, it seems like you play with joy where if you do something well, you're going to celebrate. If your teammate does something well, you're going to celebrate, but you never cross the line into like being silly. Uh, It always shows that you're like competing, but you you do with a smile on your face sometimes. So how do you walk that line or how would you tell a, a younger athlete that like you're allowed to have fun out there, even though we're trying to win? I think that's a there's a big balance there of of it's very important to enjoy what you're doing. I think um, I've fallen back in love, as I said, I, I didn't really continue in grade eleven. I fall back in love with volleyball, and, and I've been loving it since. And I think being able to enjoy what you're doing is a huge thing. So some of that joy comes very naturally, and also the excitement of understanding how hard we fight for certain points and getting into the game helps a lot as well. Um, but there's two sides to that. I think it's important not to get too hyped up, too silly, too like goofy on the court that does affect morale and that does affect the outcome of, of your play but it also is the other side like if I get blocked if if I make errors like those are inevitable things that happen to find that balance between your emotions and your game because volleyball is a big mental game as well if the other team sees that perhaps you're struggling or you're showing signs of like nervousness or you don't want the ball they're going to put the pressure on you as as we do to other teams as well um, so just finding like that balance of, of you love the sport you're playing. Some of that comes naturally. I don't feel the need to force it. Um, but certain points you need to celebrate, like certain points. Steve says, if uh, we get an ace at the right time, if like our setter hits the ball, like certain points are worth double. So those are worth celebrating more. But then there's also times where if you're down by like 10 points and you get a good kill, great, but you're still down by nine points. So there's a balance between when you have to celebrate and when you don't. And, I think enjoying it and a lot of it will come naturally. 
this has been awesome to get you on the show and hear the behind the scenes. I, when I messaged you, I had no idea that you were a red shirt and came in and had the story you did. But uh, in hearing your journey, as you look back, as you're kind of closing out your OUA career, what would you tell a younger athlete? Because you could have definitely just focused on your academics and probably played intramurals or found like a different uh, resource for, for being physically active. But when you look back and it's totally worth it now at this point, what would you tell a younger athlete that like you can be academically strong, you can go to a program you want to study, but if you have a chance to play varsity athletics, you should because you're going to be tired and you're going to be sore, but like it's worth it, right? Yeah, I think uh, a really big thing is to enjoy everything you do. I love the program I'm studying. I just finished my undergrad in kinesiology. I'm doing my master's in biomechanics. I absolutely love it. And I love playing volleyball. And I'm very grateful that I love both equally. When I when it's time to practice, I'm so excited to get to practice, to be with my teammates, to be playing a sport I love. And when I'm done practice, I'm kind of excited to come home and to study and to go to class and to, to be in a program that I also enjoy. And, and it is possible. It definitely wasn't easy. There were times where it took a toll um, socially, you know, you have to sacrifice things with your family. You you can't be with your family every weekend. You know, if your grandma's birthday is on a Saturday, but you have a game, sorry, you have to go in your game because that's a commitment you make. Um, but because I, I love and I have such a, a, a love and respect for the team and, and for Steve as a coach and our assistant coaches and, and just the entire like rock volleyball community, it's something that I was able to prioritize. And if you love it as well, it's definitely something that's worth the effort. Um, you not only get the physical and uh, social like, uh, benefits of playing on team, but you learn so much about, you know, working in team environments, effective communication. You learn time management. I had to manage taking a full course load and volunteering and also doing research and playing volleyball. Like, that's hard. But because I love all of it equally, I found joy in everything. So it wasn't like, oh, I have to go to practice or, oh, I have like my anatomy class or, oh, I have research. You find ways to enjoy everything it makes a very busy schedule feel less busy, but definitely worth it. And I think putting yourself out there, if you try it and you don't like it, at least you tried it. Like if I never walked on, if I never, sorry, tried out for the team, I would never know. But I tried out and I gave myself the opportunity to make maybe that decision of, yes, I want to take the redshirt spot or no, I don't. But because I tried out, I put myself in that position to get the opportunity. So there's no harm. You know, you can make friends here and there. You can learn something new, I think. If you want to do it, you can definitely do it. You just might have to make sacrifices um, to help you reach reach those uh, those goals you have. Yeah, th- th- this has been awesome. So glad that you made the time and, and shared as much as you did. Uh, just hearing that you're into biomechanics and going down the rabbit hole has any uh, anything changed in your mind in volleyball? Because I think we like to think we're a very technical sport. Like, are you nerding out on arm swings now, or is anything kind of drawn your attention to like why we do certain skills the way we do them? So definitely, like in my not necessarily through my research, but in just my undergrad and taking a lot of like motor motor learning courses and motor control courses, just understanding how movement happens and, and why things move in certain axes. But the research that I have been doing has been a lot of like ergonomic movement. So daily movements and your sitting posture and your walking gait um, and those sorts of things. And my lab did a couple of research on uh, research experiments on pitching in baseball. So there is there is sport element to it. I just we haven't done anything with volleyball swings. But sometimes like the, the nerdy mind goes on in practice where I'm like, no, it's more efficient if I if I rotate here instead of rotating here. So definitely a little crossover between the two sometimes. Well, this has been awesome. Like I said, busy schedule. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, best of luck with Brock as you guys go for a three-peat here. But uh, yeah, for today, uh, awesome. I, I really enjoyed this and thanks for sharing all that you did. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.